Welcome to Passion Life Church. So welcome to part three of this series that we've entitled Just Like Jesus. Would you close your eyes for just a moment and let's just pray over God's word. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, may it speak life to us as it always does. May it show us, Lord, you and who you are in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, can you imagine a world where people, more people, would act just like Jesus? Could you imagine what would happen if California, you people at your work, people on the freeway, on the 15 north and south, if they acted like Jesus? It would be a totally different atmosphere. And that's kind of the thought process about just like Jesus is saying that, you know, many of us in this room, somebody influenced our lives because they acted like Jesus. Many of you are here today in church because there was somebody that was influential in your life that impacted your life to be like Jesus. And in reality, now it's our turn. It's our turn to be that inspiration to other people. Let's look at our theme verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says this, and you can just jot this down if you're taking notes. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, For whom he foreknew, who's that? Talking about God. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. That word in the Greek means molded. To be conformed, molded to the image of his son. The word image there means likeness. And who is his son? Jesus that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, as we talk about being just like Jesus, I'm not talking about being Jesus. There's one Jesus. But what I am talking about is being like him, that we can be like him in the likeness, conformed to the image of his son. And so we look at Romans chapter eight, verse 29, and we ask this question, I mean, is it even possible I mean, is it realistic that you and I, me, you, I mean, you know you, I know me, that we could be conformed to the image of God's son? I mean, is that even really possible? Well, we just read in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, that actually it is possible and it is God's will that you be conformed to the image of his son. See, what happens is when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus comes inside your heart. And so you are going to heaven because of your faith, right? We receive the grace of God by our faith and we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I love that. But can I just tell you, this scripture is also telling us that once we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that the process begins, that we are not just supposed to sit around and wait till we're going to heaven, but actually when we become a a, a born-again child of God, we are supposed to act like Jesus until we get to heaven. Can I hear a good amen this morning? And it's been the biggest complaint, right, in the world against Christianity. You know, you talk like us from, you know, Monday through Saturday, you're at, you're at work or you're out at the house and you talk like us, you act like us, and the world says the only difference between you and I is that I sleep in on Sunday and you go to church. Because in reality, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, There's supposed to be a change. 
There's supposed to be a change that happens in our lives. How many of you have already started that process of change? You've seen the change that Jesus has done in your life. There's supposed to be a change. And how does that happen when Jesus comes inside your life? Well, you know what? You gotta want it to happen. You gotta want to change. That's tough for some people. And you know what? You've gotta be willing to go through a process. Well, there's that word again. You know, when Jesus comes into your heart, the Bible tells us that all the old things are passed away, but you know what? He makes all things new, but there is a process of renewing our mind. There's a process that we have to be, go through. And let me just say this process is not a popular word in America. Don't give me process. Just let me drive through the drive-through. I just want to drive through the drive-through. I just want to come to church. Pastor Phil, lay your hands on me. I'm going to walk out and I'll be perfect. It doesn't work that way. Everybody say process. Pastor Phil, I want to get in shape, so I joined a gym. Well, that's good. But if you never go to the gym, you still ain't going to get in shape. You're just going to lose money. I cannot just walk into Whole Foods and be healthy. I have to buy some Whole Foods and come up with a plan, and there needs to be a process. Pastor Phil, I want some six-minute abs. There ain't no such thing as six-minute abs. And some of you bought them. I know the Holy Spirit's working right now. And you know, it didn't work. So there's a process. And if we'll submit ourselves to the process, we're going to find that Jesus, kind of like we talked about in week number two, it's like us being on the potter's wheel and he's the potter and he takes his hand so lovingly and gently and he begins to take out all the imperfections. And why? Because those imperfections don't glorify him. And actually those imperfections end up hurting us. So there's a process. And we've learned that number three, we have to be a doer of the word in part two, we talked about how this is a mirror. In this mirror, you will see Jesus. James tells us when we look in the mirror, the first thing it's going to do is show us us and our imperfections. Did you look in the mirror this morning? I hope you looked in the mirror. I looked in the mirror. I'm like, I want to see me. I want to see my imperfections before I stand on stage and people see my imperfections. So I'm going to deal with it in the bathroom, in private. That's what this does. It'll show you imperfections, but you know what it'll also do? It'll show you the man or woman that God can make you and mold you to be the significant person. And so we want to be a doer of the word. We don't want to just look. Uh, we want to look and we want to study and we want to know, not just hear, understand, and then walk away and not do what the Bible says. You know, the Bible tells us if we do that, then we're deceiving ourselves. Man, I, I don't want anybody to deceive me, but I will tell you this. By God, I'm not going to deceive myself. And so just to, this morning, a, a little bit of a review of what we've been talking about, about being like Jesus. And today I want to talk about inspire to inspire. Let me say it that way. How many of you love to be inspired? I don't know what inspires you. Maybe for you, what inspires you is a nice piece of chocolate cake. Maybe that doesn't inspire. I know for me, the word of God inspires me, but there's some things I love going to a movie. I love being inspired by a movie. But today we're gonna look into the word of God. How many of you know, although this word, this book here looks like every other book, it is not like every other book. You know why it's not like every other book? Because it's alive. 
This book is alive. One time I was teaching and preaching at a youth uh, event and I was just had the Bible like this on the podium and all of a sudden the page by itself, I didn't even have my hands on it. The page moved by itself and everybody was like looking at it and they were, oh, and I said, did you guys see that? Did you see that? And everybody's like, yeah. And I was like, it's alive. It, I mean, it, it is alive, but it wasn't. It was just the air conditioning. You know what I mean? It was just the air conditioning was moving, but it was a great illustration. But see, this looks like every other book. But you know what? Hebrews chapter four, verse tells us, here's the difference between this book. The Hebrews tells us in four, chapter four, verse 28, it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing the soul, the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. Let me just tell you what this book does. And this is what I love about coming to church. This is what I love about reading this book. This book will touch your soul. This book will touch your spirit. This book will touch your bones. This book will touch your whole DNA and it's alive today. Anybody believe that today? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. It's alive. It'll speak to every single part of your body. It'll inspire everything about you. And as we talk about being just like Jesus, I want to look today at the value of God's word. The value, because you know what? There's a respect that comes when we value things in our life. When we have a respect and a, a value for something, it really changes the way we approach things. Have you ever approached a newborn baby? You approach a newborn baby because they're so cute. They're so delicate. You never, ever, listen guys, never ever just want to walk up to a newborn baby. You may scare that little child and scar that child for the rest of its life. You do not just approach a new, you not just walk up to a newborn baby. You have to take very delicate steps. Why? Because that baby's got to look at you. That baby's got to decide if it likes you. And usually what I found is the baby will look at you, then look at mama, look at you, Look at mama. Why? Because if mama says it's okay, right? If mama goes, you can pass. Then the baby's like, and you approach it very delicately, delicately, very respectfully, right? Because you value it. And you know, I want to have that respect because I value the word of God. But let's just talk about this today because this is going to help us. Looking to the word of God is going to help us be just like Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn over John chapter one, verse one. John chapter one, verse one. Are you happy today? John chapter one, verse one. Let's look at how should we approach this word? How should we value this word? How does God value this word? John chapter one, verse one says this. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word, say that with me, come on, was God. So we learned that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, if you jump down to verse 14, I love this. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Verse 14 says, and the law and the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So here's what we learned from this. Number one. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. He was made flesh 
and he dwelt among us. And then, so if, listen, if Jesus is the word, right? If Jesus is the word, then spending time in the word is spending time with Jesus. So when I do not spend time in the word, since the word is Jesus, if I do not spend time with the word, I'm not spending time with Jesus. Yes, we can say a prayer. I believe in prayer. I believe in communion with God. But primarily, you're going to know him through the word of God. Here's what I love about this word. It's alive. So the Bible says that this is a spoken word. Word. You know what's interesting is that I looked up the word, word in the Greek, and it means this logos, written word. But then I saw this little parenthesis. I think you're going to love this. It says this. It says, uttered by a living voice. This is a living voice. It's a living voice for you and me. And listen to what I wrote in my notes. I put this word has been spoken and this word is still speaking. Whoo, I'm so glad I'm back from vacation. So this word is not only, excuse me if I get excited, it's not only has been spoken, it can still speak to me today. Why? Because it's alive. It's alive. And so we look at it, and not only is it alive, but oh, then the Bible tells us in verse 14 that the word, listen to this, was made flesh. So watch this. Jesus came from heaven to earth. We used to sing an old song like that. You came from heaven to earth. Oh, you don't know that one. That was an oldie but a goodie. So God became flesh. And dwelt among us. This is my prayer every time I read the Bible. God, make this word become flesh to me as I read today. What, is, what are you talking about, Pastor Phil? See, the word flesh means substance. See, I want to read this because it's alive. And I want this word to bring substance to my life. Why do you say that? Because, see, some people don't approach the word that way. Some people approach the word as I got to read it because I got to read four chapters because that's my Bible plan. Listen, I'm all about plans, but can I just tell you this? There's some days I read two verses because I'm the word is becoming flesh to me and it's ministering to me. And it's not about how much you read. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality of the word that you enjoy. Do you know that when I preach, this is my prayer all the time, this word has to always reveal Jesus. Today, when I stand up here, I don't want you to see Pastor Phil, this little Puerto Rican, Italian, and Polish guy. Come on, somebody. That's why they call me Tres Leches. Because I got three now. I don't want you to see me. I want you to see Jesus. So when any preacher gets up, here's what I want to see. I want to see this word become substance in your life. So when you walk out, you go, ooh, I can use that tomorrow. One of our first-time guests came, and I usually call our first-time guests just to say hi. I don't call to creep you out or be creepy. I just call to say hi, and thanks for coming. Some people appreciate it. Some people think I'm weird. But you know what? I called somebody, and they said, I took your message of what? You said on Sunday, and I used it yesterday, and it really helped me. And I thought, that is the word becoming flesh in your life.
That is, and that's, that's how we, you want to know how we decide what we're going to preach on? If you can't use it on, on Monday, we don't share it on Sunday. Because there's a whole bunch of people that walk out the door. How was church? Oh, it was great. What did they talk about? I can't even remember, but I know it was good. What did, what did they say? I don't know, but I loved it. Well, how is that going to translate into Monday morning when you're faced with a situation? You know what? This word needs to become flesh, and it does because it is alive. Can you say a good amen this morning? I put in my notes, guess what? That this word needs to become tangible. I, I love it because... The word made there in the Greek means this. Made means to cause, to be, to generate. Listen to this. Reflexively to become into being. So this word, watch this, becoming flesh to me when it is spoken to me. I, here's, the, here's the goal. That it would generate a reflex in me that when something happens, I act like Jesus. Something unpredictable happened. My reflex is I'm going to be just like Jesus. You know why? Because this word has become flesh to me. Is this good this morning? I want this to not just be a book. I want the word to become flesh in every way so I can understand. And we have been instructed that we're supposed to be doers of the word. Well, Pastor Phil, how does Jesus act? Pastor Phil, what does Jesus say? Well, you got to look at the word. Why? The word is, is him. This is who he is. But here's the conflict. I hear this all the time. I know what the word says, Pastor Phil, but I think. Why are you going to put your butt in the middle of it? I know what Jesus says, but I think. Okay. So what you're saying is your ways are higher than God's ways. What you're saying is your thoughts are higher than his thoughts. Who do you think you are? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I was talking with somebody the other day, and can I just tell you, don't be a pastor unless you're called to be a pastor, because you encounter the weirdest people. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, I, I'm real. I'm transparent. I was talking to somebody a while back, and we were friends, and they just looked at me and said, I know I haven't been to church in a while, but I don't want to hear you tell me anything about it. I wasn't going to say anything. So when Jesus walked this earth, Jesus went to the temple but you don't think that's good enough for you. My Bible says in the book of Acts that the apostles went daily to the temple. Well, the church is not a building. Oh, that's a good comeback. The church is not a building. The church is a people, a movement, a force. But you know what? We have a building so we can congregate together. And thank God the Vista Marietta High School allows us to rent this building. Why? So the church can come together so we can be mobilized. But if you're going to think that you're better than Jesus and better than the apostles, can I just tell you, if Peter in the book of Acts went to the temple every day, then I need to go to the temple. If Jesus, when he was on the earth, went to the temple, then I need to go to the temple. And so this is what the word tells me that I am not to forsake getting together with one another. And I'm supposed to be in the congregation. But you know what? What you're telling me is that the Bible 
I don't need that. Whoa. But I think, well, you know what? Here's what happens when you live the way you think. People don't see Jesus. They see you. And can I just be honest with you? The devil is not our biggest problem. My biggest problem is Phil Valdez. My flesh and my feelings are my biggest problem because the devil has already been defeated. He's a defeated foe. But my biggest issue is Phil. I always love to say this. God saved me from hell, but God also saved me from me. From my bad attitude. From my desires. Come on, somebody. He saved me from me. And one thing I've realized is me, I can't change anything. I can't inspire anyone. But when I become just like Jesus, people see him and they are inspired. Come on, let's give him a great round of applause this morning because he's good. So God's given us his word, his word to change us. And so we can be conformed to the image and likeness of his son. Now let's look at how, let's put a tangible on this today. Let's come on, let's, let, let's allow the word to become flesh today. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, because Paul is going to tell Timothy, a young guy, his young pastor, he's going through some stuff. People are coming against him. There's some false doctrine happening. And Paul is going to remind and strengthen Timothy to find strength and power in the word of God. And I hope that you would find that same strength. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. I believe you're gonna, this is going to bless you. It says, but you must continue. Remember, Paul's telling Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned. And been, and been assured of, listen to this, knowing from whom you have learned them. I was reading in a commentary and it was saying that Paul was reminding Timothy, Timothy, you've come across a lot of unfaithful people in your life. But the commentary was saying this, that Paul was saying here, but Timothy, remember who the true examples are in your life. Remember, don't look at the unfaithful ones. Look at the faithful people. And basically Paul was saying, look at me. I'm faithful. And so you look at all the people who've disappointed you, but just remember, there are people in our lives that are acting just like Jesus. And he's reminding him. And then verse 15, he says this, and that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. So now Paul, right? We know this is the word, but Paul is saying now he's calling these the holy scriptures. Would you say that with me? Say holy scriptures. Now, I think we've had some misunderstanding when it comes to the word holy. Holy does mean set apart, consecrated, pure. How many of you would agree that's, that's what it means? But I looked up this word holy in the Greek, and I think it's interesting that we understand what it's talking about here when it says the holy scriptures. Many of you right now on your Bibles in the front, it says holy scriptures. Now for others of you, when you flip your Bible over, there's a little apple because you're using a phone. It says holy scriptures. Now, Again, some people can approach that like this. This is the holy scriptures. It's so holy, I'm going to put it in a case on my coffee table 
and never touch it because it's holy. Do you think that's the approach that God would have us have towards the scriptures? There is a respect and a value. But I found this interesting as I looked in the Greek that this is what Paul was saying. He was saying this to Timothy. Yes, this holiness is reverent. It is consecrated. But this is what he was saying. This word holy here, holy scriptures, isn't just telling us, listen, that the scripture is holy. This holiness that Paul is talking about is talking about this holiness will actually separate us from sin and to God. So this holiness and this word is talking about a holiness, what these scriptures will do when you read them, that this holiness will separate us from sin and focus us on God. So this is the nature of the scriptures. As I look and I read the scriptures, there's, it's holy. And what will it do? Here's the nature. When I read this, it will separate me from sin and separate me unto God. That's the nature of these scriptures. I think this is so powerful because so many people struggle. They struggle with bad habits. They struggle with all of these things. I, in 20 something years of, of ministry and youth ministry, um, I used to teach this, especially this scripture right here because it goes with what I'm talking about. It's not enough to run from something. You need to run to something. See, it's not enough to run from sin. You need to run to God. Because God's the one that's going to give you the power to overcome sin. As a youth minister, I was dealing with a lot of kids who had crazy hormones going on. Like they're 13 and like, I love this guy. I was like, you only met him an hour ago. We're going to get married. I mean, hormones going crazy. We had a lot of kids who were dealing with a lot of stuff. And Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, listen to what he says in verse 14. He says this. He says, flee youthful lusts. Can you guys go to that? I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. It says, flee youthful lust. One translation says, run away from youthful lust. How many of you know some things in life you don't pray about, you just run? I'm feeling lustful, lustful thoughts. Run to the shower. Come on, somebody. A cold shower will help something. You got to run. But listen, it's not enough to run away from lust. Listen to what it says, free also youthful lust, but, but pursue righteousness. So I know a lot of people, they're trying to kick their bad habits. You can run from your bad habits all day, but it's going to be that you're running to righteousness and what you're running to, that's going to save you. So holiness is a from and to. So when I read the scriptures, it separates me from sin and separates me to God. So it's a from and a to. Are you understanding this morning? See, I would tell you this. If you're dealing with issues, don't just try to deal with the issues. Pursue God. Because when you pursue God, you will find that the issues will fade away. But if you just run from issues and don't pursue God, the issues will always be there. If I'm running towards God, those things that are behind me, I'm not just running away from I'm running to a loving God. I'm running to his righteousness. And you'll find that if you'll make that your goal, all these other things he will take care of. So when Paul says these are the holy scriptures, this is the nature of this. As I read it, it's separating me from sin and 
consecrating me unto God. You will find, as you read this, desires start to change. Things start to be different. You don't want to do the same things that you used to do before. Why? Because it's the holiness of the scriptures. Are you still breathing this morning? And so the holiness separates us from and to. From and to. And so when you come to the word of God, we need to come with that. This is all the holy scriptures. It's going to separate me from and to. And when you come to the word of God, being just like Jesus is going to happen based on your relationship with the word of God. In the word, because of the word, and through the word. In the word, because of the word, and through the word. That's what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 is illustrating. It says, having been born again. How many of you have been born again this morning? Jesus has come into your heart. He says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. Look at these next words. Through the word of God, which lives, there it is again, and abides forever. Woo! It's not just another book. So as you are tempted in your day to just get busy and not, I think that's why the, it's a battle to try to read this because it has so much power. The enemy wants to distract you, but if you'll get into this, it'll separate us from sin to the word of God. Are you being inspired this morning yet? And then second Timothy chapter three, verse 14. Again, Paul's telling Timothy, listen to what he says. He says, now all scripture in verse 16 is inspired or given by inspiration of God. Inspiration in the Greek means this, God breathed. So God's breath is in this and on this. You have to have breath to be alive. And the Bible says that all this scripture, these holy scriptures, I love this, is God, he breathed. Can you remember another time when God breathed? Do you remember in Genesis? And this, I believe, is a remarkable thought. Do you remember when God created Adam out of the ground? And what did he do? He breathed his breath of life into Adam into mankind for us. Do you know in the Hebrew, that word breathe, listen to this, means this, to inspire. So when God breathed into Adam, God inspired Adam. That's why it says when Adam died, he expired. He expired. So this word right here, let me say it this way, is God inspired. Come on, just look at your neighbor. Make sure they're still breathing. Come on. God inspired. It has the breath of God. And so what? When you read this because of the breath, the inspiration, and I need to warn you, starts, things start happening in your mind. You start to think differently. You start to think like this. What? What? All things are possible if I believe through Christ? 
all things are, what? I am more than a conqueror through Christ? You start, it starts to change. You start to believe that you can do things that you've never done before. Why? Because it is the breath of God in the scriptures inspiring you to live just like Jesus. I never thought. I would be a pastor. I never thought, here I was, this little seventh grader who failed the seventh grade, barely passed uh, high school, and then go to Bible college. I went to Bible college, and God called me to be a pastor. Can I just tell you, his plans are better than our plans. And this morning, let this word inspire you to be the person God has called you to be. And in reality, all of us in this room, have been inspired by someone. Someone has been just like Jesus in our life. It may have been your mom, your grandmother. You know, on vacation this last week, visiting my 90-year-old grandmother, I would wake up in the morning and she would be on the couch, 90 years old, with her Bible, with that big old print. Come on, <laughs> she's got that big old print. And you know, I would just look at her some days. Some days I would walk in and she would be like this, praying. She has the list of all her 33, 45, whatever grandchildren. And she's praying and reading the Bible. And I asked her before I left, I sat down with her. I said, Grandma, tell me, you're 90 years. I mean, she's 90 years old. One time she got off the couch, off the couch, just started running. We all, what's wrong with her? I mean, she just started, I mean, 90 years old. And I remember saying, Grandma, just tell me, 90 years old. Come on, tell me something. How, how did you do it? And she pointed to the word of God. And she said, every day I read this word and I pray. Every day I read this word. She was inspired by the word to be an inspiration to me. This word will inspire you to kill giants. This word will inspire you to be and Dream big. Come on, Joseph. This word will inspire you to have a vision for your life. This word, the Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and correction, and instruction. And in these last five minutes together, I want to look at these things, these four things, these specific things that the word of God does. And this is by its own nature. It's inspired. God's breath is on it, in it. And it'll cause you to think bigger about your life. But this is how it happens. It's profitable for these four things. But let me say this. How you view this is very important. See, some people don't view this as profitable. Profitable actually means useful in your daily life. This is useful. So when I approach and understand that this is valuable, it's God-inspired, it's alive, it is profitable, it changes my perspective about the word. This is not just a book of stories. This is not just a book of stories that were really cool stories if they would have happened. This book is true and it is alive. And here's what happens as we close today. All of these four things, I'm going to go through separately, but here's what happens. They work together. Paul says this, look, Timothy, all scripture is given by God, in, breathed on by God, and it is for profit. And the first one is doctrine. Everybody say that. Say doctrine. It is profitable for doctrine. What does doctrine mean? It means teaching and instruction. 
So when I approach the word of God, if I'm going to be like Jesus, I'm going to submit to the process, but here's what I'm going to do. You need to know something. When you come to this book, you need to know it's profitable for doctrine. So this is inspired to instruct you. So when I come to the word of God, I have to be willing to be taught. This word, ladies and gentlemen, has taught me how to be a better friend. This word, Holy Scriptures, has taught me how to be a better father. This scripture has taught me how to be a better husband. If my wife was in here, she's working with the kids, she'd be like, amen, Phil, preach it. Because you know why? All of us growing up, we are inspired by the people that are family. Some of us think being a good father is just being like our father and how our grandfather was. Well, depending on whether they were like Jesus or not, that's the only example that we have. But you know what? If we'll come to the inspired breath of God, he will instruct you how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. Why? Because he's a good father. So I learn about him from the scriptures. I've learned how I could be wiser than I ever thought I could be. I've learned how to be a better leader. I've learned how to live in a bigger world than this natural world that I live in. But you also need to know something else. When we come to this word, it also will give us warning. It'll give us warning. Remember, danger, danger, Mr. Robinson. Remember that? For all of us, Lost in Space. Anybody remember the robot's name from Lost in Space? It was a robot. <laughs> they were real creative back then. And the robot would say, danger, danger. My wife said, when you do that today, are you going to do the robot? I was like, yeah, I'm going to give them the full passion of it. This will have a warning for you in times in your life. And this warning from this inspired scripture at times can actually save your life here on earth. You know what I've learned about this? I was reading in Proverbs. A warning. Warning, Phil. I love Proverbs chapter 26, verse 4. It says, hey, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Because if you do, you yourself will be like him. Warning. Danger. Danger. Here comes a fool. Don't answer him according to his folly or you become like him. There's a warning. You just saved me time. You just saved me energy. Why? Because the word of God will bring warning to your life. The word of God has taught me that death and life are in the power of my tongue. That my world and I am ensnared by the words of my mouth. That many times my life, the way that it is going is not because of the devil. It's because of the words that I speak. And you know what? This has instructed me and warned me about the things that I say. You know, you may be here today and you've had those times where you just, mm, I want to say it. No, I didn't say it. Good for you. The word is working in your life. So it's good for doctrine. Here's the second one. It's good for reproof. Everybody say it with me. Say reproof. What does that mean? Reproof in the Greek means this, a certain persuasion. 
This is why I think Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, he says, For I am persuaded, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall separate me from the love of God. This holy scripture will bring into your mind a persuasion. What persuades you? See, I am of the persuasion like Paul that nothing. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not an election. Come on, somebody. Nothing. Not people who hate me, people that don't like me, not the devil. His love is evident. What are you persuaded of? This will give you a persuasion. This will give you a spiritual backbone in your life. I had a hard time saying no. I'm usually just easy, please, idiot. But you know what? This word has inspired me to stand up and be a leader and say, I'm not going to do that. I've been in conversations when I used to work in a secular job and people are dropping the F-bombs all over, F, F this, and they just looked at me. And I never even said anything, but they just looked at me and go, this, you don't like this. Huh? I said, no, I don't talk that way. I don't talk that way. And you know what happened? Is that those guys, when they'd come around me, they'd start saying, oh, sorry, I don't say that. I don't you know what that was? That was a person of persuasion saying, I'm not going to speak that way. And this is what the word will do. This is what the word will do. You know what happens when you're not persuaded? You become, like the Bible says, a wave of the sea going to and fro. And the Bible says that a double-minded man, a, a man that is not persuaded, double-minded, will not receive anything from God. It means a certain persuasion to refute adversaries. In other words, this word is going to give you the inspiration to refute your adversaries. What are some of your adversaries? Doubt, fear. The Bible says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. And that's what fear does. It robs us of a power and a sound mind. The last definition for reproof means convincing of error. This Holy Scripture will convince you when you're in error. My church family, I don't want to be in error. I want to, ha I want to be humble. I want to be able to be corrected. That leads us to number three out of the four. The Bible says that it's also good for correction. Listen to this. The word correction in the Greek means to set right again. To set right again or setting up straight again. This is such good news because wherever you are in your walk with God, if you mess up and you fall down, the scriptures will set you right again. That means there's hope. You know, I love the scripture that says a righteous man falls seven times, but guess what? He gets back up. And it's not about how many times you fell. It's about getting back up. Can you say a good amen this morning? Amen. Setting us back again. You may not, you may be in a place where your marriage is not good, but you know what? The scriptures will set you right again. The scriptures will bring morals to our life. You know, now we, there are some people who are really talking about having a moral-less society. We have people telling us today, and 
hey, it's okay if you lie, just depending on the situation. I don't know if you've heard about this recently. It's called situational ethics. And what it means is that the, the, the situation determines the ethics. And you may not know this, but they may be even teaching this to some of our kids. That, you know what? If the situation, you know, doesn't go your way, you can lie because it's situational ethics. Oh, okay. Okay, so that means adultery is okay if the situation, yeah, tell that to your spouse. Listen, it's not about the situation. It's about the truth of God's word that is unchanging and goes beyond any situation. And here's the last one as we close. Number four is the scripture is good for instruction. In the Greek, that means discipline and training. I knew I wouldn't hear any amens on discipline. I knew I wasn't going to say, and it means discipline. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Talk to me about discipline. Because that's not our society today. We need discipline. We need, listen, we need boundaries in our lives. Our kids need boundaries in our life. And here's what the scriptures does. It establishes boundaries in our life. Boundaries, why? So you can be like Jesus. Boundaries are there for our protection. Can you say a good amen? And so today... If we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to look into his word and allow him to change us. Would you bow your heads this morning? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.